0: Lifeway. Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Well, hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co host, Todd Atkins. What? That was weak, but it's it was okay. weak, but it's okay because we have some awesome guests with us today. Today, we are joined by Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins. Jimmy is the lead pastor at Family Church in South Florida, and Kristen is a gifted Bible teacher and speaker. They're also husband and wife, and they've been married for 26 years and have eight children. And they just wrote a book, a new book called Full Circle Parenting. How are you guys doing today?
1: We're doing awesome. Glad to be on with you guys. So glad. The-
2: Can I just add that we're now grandparents of two grandchildren, a grandson and a granddaughter. We have to get a little shout out to them.
3: We're go. on a podcast. We show you pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I mean, so the reason why, you know, I was, I was a little weak there in my response, Chandler, is I have four kids and so everywhere I go people look at me like I'm a little crazy. I cannot imagine what people do, uh, the way people look at you, the questions they ask you guys when they figure out that you've got eight kids.
2: Yeah. Todd, don't you wish like? you had a dollar for, um, every time someone says, Oh my, you must have your hands full. Have you ever heard of that one?
1: <laughs> you know what causes <laughs> that? That's, you know,
3: what causes that is my favorite.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh-huh. Well, um uh, we are excited to talk to you today. Uh three circles is another um is another tool that I'm very familiar with. And you know, the full circle parenting, I can kind of I am excited to to dig into that. But um one of the reasons why I was telling Jimmy right before the podcast, uh one of the reasons why I'm excited about um talking to him today is my one of my middle kids, um jonah is he he has learned three circles to share the gospel he's 10 years old uh and you know he's presenting that to um our kids ministry you know he's getting up and he's going to be the one demonstrating it drawing it and man it's just such a valuable tool um man i i really appreciate uh jimmy i've always appreciated the way that you are just extremely practical, um, both pastorally and personally, my interactions with you, um, at Lifeway over the years and, uh, in different places, uh, you really do a good job of simplifying things and making them easy to understand. So, uh, I would really encourage listeners. Yes. We're going to talk about parenting, uh, quite a bit today, but the big thing I would also say is take a look at, um, at three Circles or Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations, which is, I think, uh, the, the title. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it. Chandler, you want to
0: start us off? For sure. Just like Todd said, I mean, with your all's book, Full Circle Parenting, we're like, hey, we're, we got some experts in here who just wrote a book on this. Let's focus leadership questions on parenting. So we're going to get started with this one. Who or what has been the greatest influence in the way that you all parent and lead your family? You know,
1: I I think uh, that's a difficult question because we had so many people that have modeled all kinds of uh, different aspects of parenting uh, for us, including our own parents. We had wonderful parents, not perfect parents, but parents that loved the Lord and loved us and cared about us. And so there's been so many. And I think over the years, even uh, being a pastor in churches for the last several decades, it's like, so many people modeled uh, different things in different stages of parenting. And when we were first starting out, people gave us some really, really good uh, resources that really helped us a lot. And so it'd be hard to nail down one thing, but I will say that uh, when we went to write a parenting book, Um, It's not the kind of a parenting book that tells you how to be the perfect parent, because we don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to tell you how to have the perfect kids, because our kids are not our kids are what I call bucking broncos. Uh, You know, our kids have been suspended from homeschool. So our our kids, you know, have all the issues that anybody's kids would. But um, we do we have learned some things. One of them is that if parents will develop a good theology from that, they can build a good parenting strategy which will set up really good parenting conversations. And
3: that's what the book is really about. Hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. That foundational piece, I think, is so important. There's, there's so many times that we, um, you know, try to treat the symptoms of issues. And so talk about that foundational piece of the theology of parenting.
2: So I think the theology behind parenting helps us stay in the game with what our strategy is going to be. You know, I I, I talk to a lot of young moms, Todd, and I know where there's blog post after blog post of 10 steps to raising a happy kid, five steps to getting your kid to sleep through the night. You know, And so we really have become that society that wants a quick fix. But we won't stay with things unless we really understand the reasoning behind it and the the calling from it. And so having a strong biblical understanding of what this job of parenthood is, that we're really our our kids first and most important disciplers. And what does that even mean? And how do we teach our kids to fit in with God's plan uh, to love and know him and to make him known? And so when we have that foundation of this right way of thinking about us and our kids and how we fit it really helps us to stay in the game and stay focused on what's important and then that sets our strategy for parenting which leads to great conversations and a good method to follow
1: yeah and i think that too the idea of god has a design for every aspect of our kids lives and as parents if we can study the scriptures and listen to wisdom from our church family and maybe some other good sources we can kind of uh, understand that God does have a design. So whether you're trying to manage, how you are gonna talk to kids about um, drugs and alcohol, that kind of thing, or sexuality, gender, family structure, or if you're gonna talk to them about how to manage technology, which is a big issue for most of us as parents, um, whether it's dealing with friends, mean kids that your kids encounter, um, teaching your kids how to forgive because it's easy for kids to even begin to harbor bitterness in their hearts. If you recognize that God has a design for each of these areas that you can sort of dig out of the scriptures, then you have a place to start. And you also have a place to come back to when people depart from God's design. Well,
2: that's what I was going to say. I think the theology is so huge because... Um, you know, we talk about staying in the game with our kids. Well, that's because God stays in the game with his people. And so he He sets the trajectory and he He gives clear mandates from scripture about what who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And yet there's always a way back if we depart from that. And so for us to understand that helps us to implement that truth in our parenting. And it's really transformational in the way we think of our kids and how we help them think of themselves. Hmm.
3: So... Um, Chandler, sorry, I'm going to jump in here Go for it again uh, and take your question. Um, cause I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about as, as a pastor or as a teacher, you know, a lot of our listeners are pastors, leaders, teachers, it's easy for us to teach what we know, mm-hmm. but ultimately we reproduce who we are mm-hmm. and how do we, how do we handle That in our own lives, when we fall short, because here's the thing I think of, um, you know, I, I, I'm from middle of nowhere, Kentucky mountain people kind of culture. So there's some strictness there. Um, but there's also some like, should like the shame and the, I should have done that either. I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this. Um, But there's almost like a shame element that comes with that. It's difficult to handle as a parent, especially when you're a leader, especially when you're a pastor, because I was a pastor's kid. And let me tell you, I put my parents through it. I was a poster (laughs) child. My dad would ask me where I was going as a teenager, and I had the audacity to tell him. I'm going to work on my testimony. I'll see you later. I mean, I was that That's great. It's your kid working on the three circles, Todd. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I know. He so, so, that
0: assignment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about that. And then I promise we will um, go back to our, our, our questions. I think one of the foundational things... When we talk about having a good
1: theology, is recognizing that um, all of us are sinners, and that's that's why a good theology sets up a good strategy. If you don't have a good theology of sin as a parent, I don't know what you're going to do. I think you're going to be in despair the whole time because mm-hmm. you have to recognize that. You know, when I was a single guy, I was a single sinner. Then I met a woman sinner, and uh, we got married, and then we made a bunch of little sinners, and all of us have just been sinning all over each other for the last you know 25 years that we've had. Right. And so when you understand that that's true, you're not uh, knocked off your pins, you're not going into the fetal position when you figure out that I've sinned against Christian or against my, or, you know, I've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, whatever it is she has, my kids have. It doesn't freak us out. We know we have our theology right. And because of the gospel, there's a way for us to be restored and reconciled in every situation because of what Christ has done for us.
2: Right, yeah, and I think also, you know, understanding uh, what sin is and what sin does to us. You know, I think about the law and that the law was sent to expose our need for, for God and to be saved. And so our, our sin does that also. So it's our, it's our bent to stay focused on that sin and that leads to guilt because really it's focusing on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But sin in our lives, if we repent, we, we really need to focus that repentance focuses on, man, we can't do this on our own. We need God to dig us out of this pit. And when we do that as parents, we leave that guilt aside because we're we're running hard after God and the purposes that he has for us. Now, we, we accept that forgiveness and redemption. And when we can do that for ourselves, it makes it easier for us to do that to our, for our children as well. Yeah, and when our
1: children see us doing it, trusting God, forgiving each other, yeah. easily Repenting quickly, it's easier for them to believe that God is going to love them no matter what, forgive them easily, and give them room for repentance. So anyway, I think, I think that's all just part of the package.
2: And I think part of part of our job is as parents because we're sinners uh, you know, when we sin against our children, when we speak harshly, when we, when we make the wrong call, when we act out too, too quickly that we humble ourselves and and repent to our children. I Mm -hmm. I think how many times I've gotten on my knees with my little ones and my older ones and said, I'm so sorry, mom messed up. Even that is a teachable moment for our children.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing that. You know, the next question we normally ask is what is, what is your favorite leadership failure story? And what we're gonna do is, is into, what is your favorite parenting failure story? And uh, we could probably go through the list for each child. This um, is gonna be but this is like the greatest hits right here. So what is what is the what is what what you go on parenting failure story? I, mean, I have I have no favorite
1: failures, just so we're clear. Here, so.
2: We're being vulnerable here. And, you know, we have eight children and we've been parenting now for 25 years. It's so think about failures. how many stories we can fill up podcast after podcast of these. It's not just episode, one. That, that's
0: a full podcast. <laughs>
2: yeah. Have, that's have that's back a on. season. That's a season. <laughs> exactly. But, um, Uh, So my son, my third born son was in the sixth grade going into seventh grade, and he started playing basketball, we school, but in Florida public schools let you come and play if you can make the team, he made the team he was so proud, but I I noticed he was getting a little bit cocky, and so um, you know, we were praying with that, through that, how to address that. And he just kind of felt like he, I I felt like he thought he was kind of above everything because he had made this middle school basketball team. You guys remember being seventh grade boys and what you thought about things. So I noticed he was coming home from practice in the morning. They had early morning practice and he would just flop on the couch and lay there and not do his skull. This was happening like week after week. Now this kid, if I had any sense, it would have dawned on me because this kid is the most dynamic, most uh, hard charging kind of a guy you've ever seen, but he just kept flopping on the couch and i would say, Hey, go do your English. He wouldn't do his stuff. And so I finally just sat him down and had a, great heart to heart lecture slash talk from the mom, which as you remember is not very effective. And I just said, Hey, listen, I feel like you, you know, you're such a great kid, but you are just so, uh, you just are acting kind of lazy. And I'm just concerned about that. I feel like maybe you think you've arrived because you've made this middle school basketball team. Anyway, a lot more words that I'm going to go into right now. And then I just realized over the next couple of days, he just doesn't have a lot of energy. And so I took him to the doctor. Y'all, he had mono, not worse than that. He had had mono. So, you know, when you have mono, it shows up in your blood work and they can tell how long ago you have had it. That kid had had mono. And been over it for three weeks but still was having residual side effects so what a dumb mom all these times i thought he was being lazy he was uh you know thinking he was sick well the poor kid was having mono and just not telling anybody and just struggling through so big time parenting fail on my part he's 21 and still brings it up to this day so, yeah, he's so.
1: playing football in college now and he brought it up the other like, day. Like,
2: mom, remember the time I had mono and you called me lazy?
1: I'm like, oh my god. So I've got one too, though. So one time when our oldest son was about, how old was he, like four he three or four? Slower. So uh, he's out there uh, playing soccer, but he didn't want to play soccer and so it's a soccer game. So he started bawling, crying in the middle of the soccer field and it made me mad. I was embarrassed. And besides that, why are you crying about a soccer game? So I got him over to the side and I was giving him my really tough, dad's speech about how you got to suck it up and come on i don't want to hear all this crying and quit being a baby and all this, this kind of stuff and he just kept crying but i said tell you what if you keep crying uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take you home and put you in your room and he just kept me fine i'll go to my room i said am your brother's birthday party today if you keep crying you're gonna stay in your you're not even gonna go to your brother's birthday party he said "Fine." Well, he kept crying so me because i was so hardcore i took him home i put him in his room all day all these people came over for her, his brother's birthday party. Cake. All these people. All these games. All these kids. I made him stand there and wouldn't let him come down because I was making my point to my four-year-old. You don't mess with dad and cry when I tell you <laughs> stop <stuff>, crying. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing. It was so stupid and it's just the dumbest parenting and the biggest macho dad fail uh, ever. And. uh, you know, he still brings that up as
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> and he's
3: 25 so.
0: so, you know, we, I'm sure there's, there's so many stories you guys can sit back and laugh at. And, and in the moment, I mean, there's a lot of times where you also want to kick yourself and you guys already kind of expounded upon that previously, but what did that do for your long-term parenting? Like what did those failures teach you moving forward? Well, it's
1: interesting because uh channel, uh So we have a lot of kids that are kind of spread. So I have a 25 year old who has a kid of his own, but I still have a fifth grader at home that I'm, that I'm parenting. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because I kind of get to, um, I kind of get to redo some things. And one of the things that we've really learned is hey man, just chill out and relax. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't major on the minors. You don't have to make it so tough. Um, kids, a lot of kids, you know, figure out all kinds of things and uh, the i don't know i think when we first had our first kids I, I was afraid that i was gonna fail and i was so determined to do everything right and it's really just parenting is such a long haul each one of those little episodes like trying to make my kids stop crying at a soccer game is so ridiculous but in my mind on that day like this was like a major parenting event but i gotta you know get this right so i think I've learned to relax Mm -hmm. Mm more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in our early, I'll tell you a little secret about Jimmy and me in our early parenting, even though we wouldn't have acknowledged it nor really believed it was true, that maybe we had some pride getting in the way that we thought, okay, this, these kids are a reflection of who we are. And although that's true, um, you know, every, every mistake, every sin, every meltdown isn't a reflection of me as a person, but the way I respond to it is, and so we we have learned that really the heart of parenting isn't isn't how this is going to make me look, but who they are becoming in Christ. And honestly, again, I hate to keep beating beating the drum, but having a right theology, understanding what our mandate is as parents really helps us to have a better perspective about things. Yeah. And we're old. You know, I think, I think age I think age helps have a better perspective. Yeah, my
1: older kids sometimes, my older kids will sometimes coach me up on my parenting of oh, their yeah. younger brothers. Oh yeah, that's sisters.
2: awesome. We love that. And they'll say, you know,
1: when I was a kid, to do this and now you let them do that and i'm just like well when you were a kid i was like 26 years old and i had no, what I was, no idea what i was doing now i'm up, I'm 50 and i know i'm i'm a hundred times better of a parent than i was so yeah. tough
2: yeah yeah
3: so you need to pull out uh <laughs> let me tell you about the parable of the workers and just watch their eyes roll back in their head
2: <laughs> that's, right. that's a good one
3: <laughs> yeah that might have come up before <laughs>
0: No matter how many people you have on staff at your church, there's only so much you can accomplish in a day, right? Your church exists to serve your community. So the mission of your church and its staff is to reach as many people as you can. That's why productivity is essential for churches. As most of your church's success lies in its ability to lean into and leverage resources for optimum performance. And thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay is an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, and they have successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. That's why they're offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Church Leaders, Essential Strategies to Unleash Productivity. Let Belay help your church live its mission in your community by helping you juggle less and accomplish more. Just go to Belay that's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash lifeway for your free download. Well,
3: um, okay. So I've talked about, uh, I've talked about three circles a little bit, but what are the three circles? Um, and what led you to, to start using them as a kind of a gospel tool in your parenting as well?
1: Well, it's interesting, Todd. Um, we developed the three circles at our church about 12 years ago, and uh, we actually developed the three circles as a tool to talk to people about marriage and parenting. Mm-hmm. So when we first moved to South Florida, this first time living outside the Bible Belt for us, and we had all of these people coming to our church that were living together and they weren't married. Um, people were coming to a pre-marriage class we were teaching that weren't Christians and they all had kids. and They're from all these different countries and backgrounds and they were irreligious. And so we when we started to meet with them. We just realized that what we had done in our previous church in Kentucky, you know, breaking out all of our Paul trip Books, you know, about gospel, this and gospel. It, it wasn't going to work because these people weren't Christians and they didn't have any Christian commitments and they didn't know any Bible verses and they didn't know any Bible stories. And so we had to start somewhere else. And so we developed the three circles to talk to people about marriage and parenting. So it was God has a design for your relationship, for marriage, for parenting, for sex. But we sin, we depart from God's design, we end up in brokenness. That's why some of you guys are here. We try to escape our brokenness on our own. All of that brokenness points us to the need for change. The Bible has a word for change. The word is repent. What we need to do is repent of our sins and believe the story of Jesus crucified on the cross for our sins and raised from the dead in our place. And then we can recover and pursue God's design. And it was really all about marriage and parenting. We figured out because a lot of those people became Christians. Hey, it actually works as a gospeling tool and it's kind of taken off around the world. And, you know, we made it as an open source tool. We didn't trademark it. We didn't sell it. We didn't monetize it in any way. And so people use it all over the world. And there's different versions of it, but what was really a go- turned out to be a good gospeling tool was or originated as a parenting and marriage tool. So it's really easy to apply to these situations.
3: And that's awesome. Um, because I was introduced to it as an evangelism tool, Right. right. Uh, and I even let you use my lightboard, which not many he people. did. It was a sweet uh, lightboard too, man. <laughs> Just saying, that's we did. I appreciate it. It's a rare thing, Jimmy.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Todd also kind of brought this up earlier, talking about how he was a pastor's kid. Well, your kids grew up as pastors' kids, and as many of pastors' kids know, and they share the expectations on them are very high and it can feel like they have to be perfect and everybody's watching them and it's almost expecting them to fail. And so how did you all help your kids handle those expectations and, and navigate that world as pastor's kids?
2: we've thought a lot about this and we've actually been asked a lot about it because now, now we have one son who is at seminary going to be a pastor and it's obvious if, if you're around our kids, now look, we, they are bucking Broncos. They, they get into all kinds of stuff, but it's obvious if you're around our kids that they love our church and uh, that, and that they love each other and their dad. And so, and we're proud of that. So people notice that and ask what, what has caused that because a lot of pastors kids don't love church. They don't love going to church. They get jaded and bitter. And, you know, we still have a 12 year old, so we're holding all of this loosely. Maybe he's the one that's going to turn out that way. But for now, uh, they have a positive feeling about it. And I'll tell you three things that we think have have helped. That is honestly to tell you the truth, the Lord has just blessed us, and that we have a great church family. Mm-hmm. They are so kind to our family and to our kids. Uh, they really are cheering our kids on, and and I know that can be unique. Everybody doesn't find themselves in a situation like that.
1: And we've seen that even when our kids have struggled.
2: Yeah, and and they have, I mean, and, and big I don't, time
1: struggle. And I don't yeah. mean about
2: little things, but um, and then we also have our our church staff has just really been awesome. You know, when you have eight kids, you have a lot of people in kids ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry, college ministry, and those pastors and and their wives have really invested Mm -hmm. in our children. And it's given us um, people to look to for, to point our kids to when maybe they don't feel so comfortable for a season coming to us about something. They have some places to land that are safe and uh, that has been huge. But to be totally honest, I think the biggest thing that has helped them not feel bitter or frustrated or angry towards the church is their dad. And he has done such a great job in in our time as ministry of just loving our family well. Um, He does not put unrealistic expectations on them. You know, we really try to tell them, hey, we're making these choices because we love Jesus. And if your dad was a ditch digger or a lawyer or a doctor uh, or a teacher, we would be doing the same things. This isn't because you're a pastor's kid. This is because we love and, and know Christ. And I think that's really important But Jimmy has never made the kids feel like they were getting left in the dust because of the church and so he you know he he ditches church things sometimes as as is appropriate to go to their ball games he doesn't miss um the things that are important to our sons and daughters are important to him and they feel that and they see it so they don't feel competitive with our church uh you know they they take joy in linking arms with jimmy and me as we serve family church and so that that you know having a great dad who um puts his children as a priority is it's a huge reason why they feel so loving and um excited and, about it and, and the, i mean the obvious education. would
1: be todd you said how do we do eight kids it's probably the same way you do four kids which is they've got to have a great mom who is, you know, Kristen's the emotional heartbeat of our family. She's the organizational dynamo of our family. She is the CEO of our of our family and everything that happens. And so
3: it definitely is a team sport. Well, let me ask you a question because a lot of, you know, a, a lot of pastors, church leaders, um, there's a, a tension there between Work and life and ministry and home and all those things kind of boil, in, you know. Uh, the, they boil over and they 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 come over into each other. Uh, spill over, not boil over. Sometimes they boil over, <laughs> I um, feel you. but but they spill over. Um, what is? How would you speak to Kristen? How would you speak to a? Uh, a a wife who sees this spiritual leader at church but maybe doesn't see that at home or that's the at least that's the the stated issue
2: okay so my encouragement would be first of all to think the best of your man in other words so it's, you know it's easy to to for Pastor's wives are honestly any wife, right? I mean, we have bankers and lawyers and everybody's working hard. Everybody has long hours. And so it's not unique to pastor's wives necessarily. But the thing that makes being a pastor's wife unique is there are just a lot of people who feel very close to your husband and to the dad, which is a wonderful thing, but that can cause some tension. Um, if, if it's not careful, but believe the best about his intentions. And so I, I doubt many people listening to this podcast are pastors who don't care about their family. Uh, they do care. And they're just trying to figure out, you know, men tend to be a little, I don't want to generalize, but tend to be a little more tunnel vision and get a lot of identity through their work. And that really is a blessing because it keeps you driven. And yet I do think, you know, part of the helper um, role of a wife is to help him be in tune with what needs to be happening at home. One of the ways that we've just done that practically is we have a family staff meeting every week. And uh, if I have concerns or I have things that I'm excited about, I try to jot those down. And to. Um, so that I'm not bothering him every time a thought comes into my mind of things that we need to talk about at home. And, uh, I just kind of keep a list of it. Sometimes before the meeting, I realize, Ooh, I wasn't in in a bad mood. I don't really need to talk about that. We're good. Or sometimes I'm like, yeah, this, we need to talk about this. Um, you know, if there's things going on in the kid's life that I know that he needs to be aware of, those are the times that we talk about it. It's not that we don't talk about it any other time except for that staff meeting, but it helps me to know I've got his attention once a week, at least. With to talk about those kinds of issues, and I think it's helped Jimmy because he kind of geared just like you would gear up for any kind of meeting, you're ready, you know what's coming, and um, so he's in the game. I don't get like glazed over, you know, I don't I, y'all don't do this, but every once in a while, Jimmy, I'll have like a glazed over look. <laughs> i try to talk to him about something oh, yeah, he's not ready to
3: not. talk about. Oh, I do it all the time.
2: <laughs> Your wives probably have never seen it, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I do it all the time. I
3: try to convince uh, my um, you know, I think sometimes my wife thinks I have it all together at work and, and then I forget things at home and I'm like, no, I'm uh, changing the test. it takes a village to raise a Todd. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I've made the mistake yeah, of
3: saying that in front of my team and then having them repeat it sometimes when I do forget. Something more, you know. But yeah, yeah I, mean, but, I, I, I think, think that's think... always going to be a tension that, you know, it is a, um, a tension that happens uh, that, you know, whether you're in a guy's group or, uh, with a bunch of dads talking about, you know, what, what they're going through or what they're dealing with or what they're feeling right now. And, um, I think that's, uh, that's important. So thanks for sharing that
0: with us. Well, you mentioned that one of your, your sons is now entering parenting. So we were going to ask, what would you tell your 20 year old self about parenting, but let's, let's frame it. You were going to give him the parenting advice of stepping in. You guys, have now you shared the experience of, of 25 years and you would tell yourselves probably some things, some advice, but also him, what advice would you share with him and then as well as your 20 year old selves about parenting? Well, you have to be
1: careful sharing advice with your adult kids. So Jim Burns wrote a book about this and he says, uh, he says, uh, "Shut your mouth and keep the welcome mat out." So, that's <laughs> good a,
2: that's kinda, very good advice. So,
1: we're learning about uh, parenting adult kids with families of their own. But I, th- I think there's a few things. One, I would just say, if you're if you're married and you're parenting, uh, make sure that your marriage is at the center of your home. And you know, I think being a marriage centered home is really important. And I think that will help to define a lot of things for you. So keeping your relationship with your spouse, um, the priority, keeping it fun, um, keeping it close. And then I think, again, I said earlier, but I think, you know, just, just relax because there's a, there's a sense of intensity that um, sometimes uh, parents may feel. I know that I felt it a sense of intensity about doing everything the right way and not messing this up and making sure our kid is tough enough and smart enough and, godly enough and obedient enough, and yet, you know, rebellious enough and whatever it is that we think is valuable. And, um, I would just say, relax, take a step back, chill out. Parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, the days are long, but the years seem short. And I would just realize this is a long process and you have plenty of time. You really do have plenty of time to teach the lessons. And if you don't win it today, you can win it tomorrow.
2: I just did some math guys. Are y'all proud of me? Actually my iPhone did, but I, I was I was typing in three hundred and sixty-five days times eighteen. Now some of us have our kids attention longer than that. But it's 6,570 days. That's a lot of days. That's a a lot of days. And so even though it goes by in the blink of an eye and it truly does, um, God has given us a lot of days to speak into our kids' lives. And so if we get something wrong today, we, we have tomorrow and we have the next hour and our kids do as well. And so, yeah, just being redemptive in our speech takes, takes being redemptive in our hearts and, and you know, in our knowledge of, of who we are and who our kids are. And so that would just be my big thing is just, we've, we've got to stay in the game with our kids no matter what, because that's what God does for his people.
0: Well, Jimmy and Kristen, thank you guys for joining us on the podcast and for being vulnerable with with your all's parenting. I don't know many people who signed up for the podcast to share about their greatest failure stories, but you guys are just so valuable with your time and your vulnerability. So thank you. And thank you for writing the book, Full Circle Parenting. We know it's going to be a great resource. For many parents as they, as they navigate the journey of parenting. So thanks for joining us and thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so other leaders like yourself can find the podcast. See you next time.